Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With me today is the author of The Hayes House, Ghosts for People 2, Keith Evans. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Had a busy day today. I don't know. It's a little bit later than we originally planned, but. So, what, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I, I wrote the book because um, I do paranormal research, and uh, this house was such a, a nice house to do paranormal research at. Uh, I'm the type of person that likes to do paranormal research at homes that were well-loved, that had people that were residents for 20, 30, 40 years. And when you do paranormal locations like that, you get that type of love back. And anyone who stayed at a house for a long period of time, that house is like their baby. And they they love and protect it even after they pass away. And this house at least has uh, seven to eight uh, different uh, ghosts uh, or spirits from the first two families. And uh, they're there to help and uh, the present owner and to protect the uh, Hayes house. Can you tell me about the ghosts that reside there? Well, Kathleen is the most predominant uh, ghost that's at the Hayes house. And uh, she's not there all the time. She's not trapped or anything like that, but she can come and go as she pleases. And she's just a nice person. When I first met her, you know, during a uh, paranormal investigation, she told me right straight out to get out. And uh, of course, I told her, well, you know, I had paid to come and stay there because it was uh, the first time I went there it was a big breakfast. So I was kind of testing the waters to see if I'd get any paranormal, you know, activity. And I did. And, um, you know, after that, uh, I got like words like uh, um, bridge, 
and there's a, a gory bridge that's near uh, the Hayes House there in Apalachicola, Florida. And I thought she was talking about the actual physical bridge that people drive over to water. It goes over the uh, part of the bay and part of uh, the Apalachicola River. And um, she wasn't talking about that at all. She was actually talking about uh, uh, she liked to play, play the card game bridge. And um, in Apalachicola, back during the, say, 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, during the fall and winter time, they actually had bridge clubs where different families would get together once a week and play cards. Hey, everybody. Um, to tell you all about... Okay, there's some people you need to follow on Twitch. Like right now, go to twitch.tv and follow GameTag, View on Game Days, a Huggable Lux, Not for Spook, uh, a Red Robe, Sound Like a Dude, Puma Cat O, Insanity Puma, uh, Last and Wreck, who else? Uh, Rumaki 75, uh, Johnny L. Chase, Reset Patrick, what else is there? Oh, God. Dolly Perro, 77. Oh, God. I can't think of my mind blinking. I hope he's uh, someone yells at me for G1, then you are yelling at me right now. Oh, Cyber White Tiger? Yeah. Uh, Fanboy Brian? I can't think of uh, anybody else at the moment. Yell at me if you uh, forgot you. But uh, definitely follow Game Attack and GM Game Days. They're great people. G1 Game Days, G1 Game Days right now is doing like a video game book club thing where they're playing. Uh, what the fuck they're playing? Uh, something. I can't remember. But follow, go ahead and ask them. Go in their chat and ask them what they're playing for the video game book club. And they review like video game movies and stuff, and it's really cool. And everything they do, um, monetarily goes towards uh, uh, what's it called? For life, not life. Uh, charity. I can't remember the thing it's called. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm remembering stuff. I'm tired. So she loved doing that. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. Is there any other ghosts there besides Kathleen? Yes. Uh, her husband, Pat. Uh, Pat more or less uh, told me about how he was unhappy with the uh, Great Depression. Uh, during the Great Depression, a lot of people... Uh, their businesses and homes and all were uh, 
kind of um, they borrowed money against real property. When the real property loses value, then their loan might be due, or at least some of their loan. So um, he more or less had told me about that, and uh, he was there, but not quite as often as uh, uh, Kathleen. And there was also uh, Pat's mother. she never lived at the Hayes house, but she would come and visit just about every weekend from the time they moved in in 1942 until she passed away in 1960. And then Pat's aunt, uh, Sunshine Gibson, she lived at the Hayes house uh, from 1942 until she passed away in 1956. And then there was uh, Mary. Mary was a friend of the family's who lived there um from 1942, and I think she passed away sometime in the early 60s. And then there was at least three members of the Buck family. Um, Jeff Buck is the one that built the house in 1908, and um, I, I detected him and also his uh, oldest son um, and their youngest daughter. And their youngest daughter had like a unique name. And I actually got a unique name that started with a M on the obelisk of, at that time I had an obelisk work. So that would be roughly seven or eight. I lost count. It's not a really active location. It is. And in a positive way, um, Ghosts of spirits have a hard time communicating because, you know, they just they don't have a physical body to communicate the way we do by body gestures or by shaking hands or by talking or, you know, they they more or less to me, a ghost or spirit is actually electromagnetic energy. And they did their best to uh, let me know they were there at times, I guess you could say the. uh communication is up to interpretation, but I got my share of cold areas. Uh, I use a Flare TG-165, which is a thermal imager, and um, I remember the first time I did a paranormal session in what was Pat and Kathleen's uh, bedroom when they lived there. At the time, I didn't know it was a bedroom because it was on the first floor. And I actually saw uh, pretty much at the same time, but in different corners of the room, uh, one tall, almost like a two by four shape that was a cold, I'd say right in the corner of the uh, uh, northeast corner of the room. And then I I wanted to compare another corner. So I did an about face and I was uh, looking at the southwest corner of the room to see if it looked the same, if there would be like a, almost like a two by four shape of a cold area, which on the flare, a cold area is going to be dark blue or black, or maybe, you know, purple. Purple would be the warmest cold and black would be the coldest cold. And when I did that, the, that corner was okay. But then I started to see, between two to three shapes that were kind of morphine. Uh, they weren't, you know, a distinct shapes, but they were like 
cold areas that look like the top of a, a person's head and uh, top of their torso. And I think that was uh, Kathleen, Annie, and Sunshine. And um, I think the two by four shape was actually uh, Pat. And Pat was uh, a slender person. He was about, I don't know, six foot three, six foot four, but he had like a 29 inch waist. And I, I'm like five, six, and I have like a 38 inch waist. So he was slender. And I think that shape was him. And I don't, it actually, uh, rattled me to the point that I didn't know whether they were happy for me to be there or whether they were ganging up on me and wanting me to leave. And that was the wrong uh, way to think. But me and so many others tend to draw those conclusions. So anyway, I actually forgot about the whole situation until I went to write the book. And what I did, I wrote down everything, almost like a transcript. What was happening, and I wrote down what I saw, what I felt. It takes time, but I was using like a shorthand that I went back and, you know, would make adjustments to so I would understand it months later when I wrote the book. And by writing everything down, it dawned on me that this was a, a pretty, um, I don't want to use the word scary, but unnerving situation to the point where I thought, well, maybe they don't want me to write the book. And I think they helped me somehow to forget it so I would write the book, you know. But what I feel they were doing was coming to meet me. You know how, like, if you go to someone's house, you know, yeah. the family comes to the door and meets you as you come in. And I think yeah. that's what they were doing. And had I knew it was uh, Pat and Kathleen's bedroom, I might have... Um, understood that better who knows maybe i wouldn't have but at the time i didn't know that uh as soon as i got written permission to work on the book uh the owner had put the hayes house up for sale and i was really worried that if i took too much time getting background and research and history which you really need that if you're going to identify your ghost i was worried if i spent too much time doing that the clock might run out and they might sell the house and the new owner may not give me written permission and then there would be no book. So um, that's the way that went. Uh, the more and better history you have, if you can ask the ghost a question that they really love, like say Kathleen loved playing bridge. If I could ask her, how many bridge games did you win in 1934? You know, I might have got an answer right off the bat. Ghosts of spirits are going to communicate with you if you talk about something they really enjoy and love. So, you know, that's a, a word of wisdom to anyone out there that does paranormal investigating. Know as much as you can about the place or the people that live there so you can talk something that makes sense to the ghost or spirit, something that they will enjoy talking about, and then they will talk with you. Yeah. What got you started to in paranormal investigating? Well, when I was a child, I always enjoyed old stuff. And my parents, you know, were into anything that's new. And they wanted to forget about anything that was old and 
go on to the new stuff. And I always found myself enjoying um, old homes and any type of decorative or shiny finished wood or any wood and grain where you could actually see the the grain of the wood, um, you know, something that hadn't been painted white or blue or whatever. And, you know, my parents thought, well, something's wrong with this guy. He likes wood, you know, and it, it was like, I feel I was like, didn't know it, but at the time was an empath. I was feeling the joy that parts of the house or the shiny uh, wainscoting uh, wood, which is a, a uh, varnish finished uh, wood and grain on the bottom portion of the walls, very decorative. And I think most people probably who had that in their home, that was like the highlight of their home and that was what they really loved and enjoyed. And I was feeling all Hello. Hey, um, just want to take a moment to read some ads. Here's some advertising real quick. First off, um, talk about a new, uh, master that I'm part of. MakeMySetup.com Just tell you a little bit about, a little about, about, <clears throat> about them. Sorry, I can't talk. Kids are most beautiful human beings. But sometimes life is difficult, especially for kids that deal with health diseases such as cancer. Make My Setup is all about supporting the cause of cancer treatment centers. If I give them 20% of their revenue, they will be able to provide those kids with their favorite games, books, and toys while they are on hospital to bring a smile to their little faces. Uh, our brand is all about supporting the cause of Cancer treatment centers for kids by giving them 20% of the revenue. They will be able to help these kids buy their favorite toys, books, and games while they're in the hospital. It's really important to support kids that have difficult times with cancer. We have to help them and give them a smile so they can remember that they are human and not patients. Instead of donating to our cause, you can just purchase any products you like from our different collections. Whether that's phone cases, AirPod cases, and other Amazing decorations for your desk. Part of your purchase will go to different cancer treatment centers towards the end of every month. And to help not only kids, but the podcast as well. If you would uh, decide to do that, just click on the recommendation link in the description. And... That will, I get a little, it'll only be helping kids, but you'll help up and support the show as well. And if you want to save a little bit of money, you save 10% off when you use the code get cozy at checkout. Remember, click the link in the podcast, in the podcast description and use code get cozy, save 10% off your order. Now, for Another read. Hey, I got some merch. I got t-shirts. I don't know if you've been seeing my Instagram or on the website, CozyCrypto.com. But you can purchase like hoodies and sweaters and shirts and fanny packs and stuff. 
go to my website at CozyCrypted.com and click Merch or Shop Now. And it should bring you right to it. And you should be able to easy get in a couple of weeks or however fast just mail is around your town. Um, yeah, and you save 20 if you want to, save some more money. Save 25% off your order with the code COZY at checkout. That's C-O-Z-Y at checkout. COZY. Remember to go to CozyCrypted.com to find everything you need and to uh, have Instagram be there and little bios and stuff and forms if you want to submit any questions or stories or to contact me about being a guest. Oh, what else is there? Oh yeah, um, I put on supporter thing, listener support thing for like nine cents a month. You can help if you enjoy the show. You can help uh, with that. It's it should be linked down in the description or go to like uh, what's it? Anchor, yeah, Anchor. dot com forward slash Cozy Crypted. It should be a little thing that comes up. Oh, support your podcast. Like, support the podcast or something like that. For, like, like, less than, like, a piece of gum. You know, help me out. So, hopefully, I don't have to be... I don't know if I can make enough money to not only pay for... Uh, people that help me out, like, the wonderful Maduri helps out with, uh, social media, and my writer and researcher, and Matthew for the music, but also, um, pay forward for other people, um, this is there, oh yeah, uh, follow me on Twitch, at twitch.tv forward slash G1 Tanner. Yeah. That should be... I think that's it. But enjoy the rest of the show. And... If you want... If you have been my guest before... Uh, I want... Contact me. I might have to get some... Guys back on here. Oh who had loved it and this wouldn't finish. And um, I really feel that was the reason why I paid attention to old things. I was picking up on everyone else before me who had enjoyed it and, you know, enjoyed the fact that they were living in a house that had old wood and, uh, you know, they liked it. So I was feeling that. And that's how I first really thought, you know, I was kind of different than everyone else. And why am I feeling happy about someone else's old house? It's not my old house, you know. And also, when I was uh, about four or five years old, uh, I always enjoyed whatever the grown-ups were talking about. The grown-ups were having a conversation. I wanted to listen. 
I didn't like playing with the kids. I was kind of bored with that. So one time, the grown-ups were talking about a train wreck that happened at a nearby town. It was maybe a quarter of a mile away. And I was listening, and, and they told me, no, go play. And I thought that the train wreck had just happened. You know, I, I thought, well, that the grown-ups are talking about it. It must have just happened. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my grand, um, my mother would not, you know, allow me to get out of bed when I woke up. And I usually woke up hungry around 8 a.m. And she wanted me to stay in bed until she got up around 10 a.m. And that was two hours of being really bored and not sleepy and hungry. So one morning... My uh, great aunt, my uh, grandfather's aunt, walked into my room and said, do you want to go see the train wreck? And I said, yes, I'd love to go, but I'm not allowed to get up (laughs) until my mother gets up and I need her permission. And I knew at the time she wasn't happy with my aunts, so I thought she's probably going to say no. And my aunt said, no, it'll be okay. We'll be back before she wakes up. And I said, okay. So her and I walked up along the railroad track to see where this train had wrecked. And uh, there were like cars laying on the side. It was a freight train and they were like all kind of, I guess on their side and kind of, kind of wound, wound around, you know, buckled and twisted, but not to the point where they couldn't be set back up and, and, you know, utilized. And they had hit a open air cannon factory. And the open air cannon factory um, would husk the uh, uh, sweet corn so they could can uh, sweet corn for people to eat. And anyway, that's what was damaged. So I didn't realize it until I was, uh, I guess, about 12 or 13. I was talking to my grandfather and he had he had passed away uh, when I was 13. So I was talking to him before he passed away and I was telling him about the train wreck. And he he was he said, what train wreck? You know, he wanted to know more about that. And I told him that when I was about four or five, that one of my aunts had come up and taken me to a train wreck. And I said, you know, the strangest thing about the aunt, because at that time, my great aunts were still living. And this, she didn't look anything like neither one of my great aunts. She was like a combination of uh, the two great aunts put together. And uh, my grandfather said, well, that would have been my mother. And his mother was Sarah. And the great aunts was uh, Ada and uh, Aunt Virgie. And I really feel, you know, at that point in time, I realized that that was a, the whole situation was paranormal. And he told me that the train wreck happened before I was born. So anyway, I, I had no idea that what was going on hadn't happened when I was, you know, four or five years old. I didn't know that until I was 13. And uh, when he said that it was his mother that was the cross between my Aunt Ada and my Aunt Virgie, then I thought, man, that is paranormal. Because it, it was it was so real that I didn't question any of it. I would have never thought that uh, it was uh, 
you know, anything to do with the paranormal. And I'm not sure how it happened. I'm not sure whether a ghost or spirit can uh, somehow uh, manipulate your brain so that you see the memories of what they saw. But I had actually walked up the same um, railroad track when I was older, and it's about a quarter of a mile walk, which wasn't much for a a person in their uh, teens or 20s, but for a four-year-old or a five-year-old, that would be a pretty good walk. So anyway, um, that was interesting, and it made me want to find out as much as I wanted, uh, as much as I could about the paranormal, and to really try to understand it, and not from the perspective of someone who is frightened or fearing uh, the paranormal, and not from like a Halloween, let's go and get frightened, you know, by the paranormal. I just wanted to learn how to communicate and try to learn how it happens, why it happens, where it happens, and how often it happens, and try to see if there's patterns and things like that. What have you learned so far in your investigations? Well, I've learned that every ghost that I've run across has been really nice and nothing evil, nothing demonic. If anything, you'll run across angry ghosts. And as long as you're willing to listen, they usually calm down. And, uh, you know, if they threaten me too much, I'll just say, look, I don't want to talk to you. Go away. But usually any threat has to come through the Obelisk 5. Uh, and that's what I have now. I used to have an Obelisk 4 before uh, Hurricane Michael, but that washed away. So now my Obelisk 5B um, I would say in the last two, three years, I've gotten all very well-mannered ghosts that just want to communicate. And I think ghosts have to learn how to communicate. So if they find someone who's willing to communicate, they almost have to learn how to use the Obelisk 5B. I don't think it's something that they you know, really know how to use. They have to... The melt meter is probably something that all they have to do is get close to it for the melt meter to, um, you know, give you a response as far as a increase in the uh, electromagnetic energy. Uh, but I think, um, you know, when it comes to the obelisk, there's like a learning curve where they have to figure out how to choose words. And I've actually got uh, words on the obelisk. 5B that uh, aren't even English words. I've gotten uh, ancient Native American words. And um, so anyway, it's it's interesting. And 